Well, the boys are back. Hello, and welcome to another edition of At Issue. It's our weekend review here on the Topper Station. I'm Howard Monroe from the Watchdog Radio Network, uh, AM 1600 WKKX, FM 98.1, AM 1370, WVOY, and FM 97.7. And from the Wheeling Intelligencer and News Register, it is the Managing Editor, John McCabe. John, good morning, sir. Good day to you, sir. Welcome yeah, Good day back. to you as well, Howard. How are you? Uh, it is, uh, it's a Monday as we tape this. I'm feeling good. Father's Day just came and went. Had a good Father's Day. Did you? I did. I got to see, uh, I got to see my own father for the first time since I believe January. I actually went down to Morgantown and visited him and my mother and, uh, and uh, tried to be as safe as possible. But it was, it was nice to, it was nice to get a chance to see them in person and spend, you know, an uh, hour and a half just talking and hanging out and, and being like a normal family again, it's, uh, you know, it's been tough for, for everyone, but, you know, particularly if you can't see your, your family members, uh, these last few months have been a little more difficult. I, uh, we had a, a gathering with uh, my oldest son and daughter-in-law and my grandson and my wife and I, because the five of us have been acting as a sort of a social unit during this whole thing. So we've been okay, but I still have not had a chance to really actually physically visit with either of my other two boys and their family. Now we drive by, we talk through the car and that kind of stuff, but I, you know, it's beginning to wear, it's beginning to wear a little bit on yeah. not, not being able to, to see family and not being able to go out for me to go out and eat and go into a restaurant, but the day will be coming. The day will be coming. But uh, I did go to church yesterday too. Yeah, first, how'd time, that go? first time I was preaching since, um, uh, since this whole thing began, um, how many people? How many people were were there actually in the pulpit or in the in the pews? In the pew, uh, twenty to twenty five, which is about normal for the Dillonvale Church that I preach at. So a pretty good crowd for them, but they had been away for this is their second week back, third week back. This is my first week, their second or third week back since the COVID pause. Um, not a lot of masks, but total good social distancing. Uh, handling things different in the church, not, uh, not passing the plate, uh, did not have hymnals, done in Bibles, but you know, no paper stuff. Now, did you wear a mask at the pulpit? I wore a mask to the pulpit, but uh -huh. I preached without it. Uh, I was well over six feet away from everybody and just felt weird preaching with a mask on, you know? I would think it'd be hard to hear. I mean, it's hard enough to hear when you're, you know, within a few feet of someone, you know, uh, with a mask on, uh, but trying even over with a microphone, you know, with the sound system, I think it'd just be kind of muffled. I just, um, but I told the parishioners, I said, I hope nobody gets offended, but I'm going to walk in straight down the aisle, go to the pulpit. I'll stay there. I'll preach, lead the worship. I will then put my mask back on, walk back out again. And, uh, I might give you a little sideways wave as I'm walking by, but you know, we're not no high fives on your way. Out or no high fives. No, uh, <laughs> somebody give me the, the elbow bump, which is really That's awkward. Good. I just, you That's know, I'm, you didn't do the toe yeah. tap or anything. What was that guy's name? Ron, did not do uh, the toe tapping. No, did not. Who's the the former, Ron Wyden. Wasn't it the former Senator who did the right. toe tapping? Yeah. He shouldn't have been toe tapping. He had a problem. And the only other quick story I could tell about uh, the uh, Dillonville preaching was Dillonville has not had cell service the whole time I've been there. Really? So I didn't, never have to worry about it. Right in the middle of my sermon, my phone starts ringing. All my kids are calling me with FaceTime and stuff during for Father's Day. So bling, bling, the whole thing is ringing while I'm there. I, now, did you work that into your message? That You had a good chance there to work that in, maybe. 
I did. I said, I believe the Lord's telling me he thinks I'm I've got a good message here. Or he's telling me I should have muted my phone before I came in and turned it off. <laughs> <laughs> I will do it from now on. So church, John, but, but in all seriousness, we've had some church issues here in the upper Ohio Valley and around the state of West Virginia uh, with clusters of COVID cases. Uh, First Baptist Church in Wheeling. I think the total I saw was nine. Correct me if I'm wrong. There was another church in Marshall County that we are aware of. Uh, Five or six, I can't remember. Greenbrier County had a significant number of them and a total of, I think a total of six churches around the state that did develop COVID clusters. Now what, and what I've heard from the the First Baptist uh, Church, and this is just all secondhand, um, but, you know, not much in the way of social distancing being practiced, very, very little in the way of masks. Um, you know, uh, and, and these are the type of things we have to expect as we go through this process. If you don't want to social distance and you don't want to wear a mask, it, there's a good, and I'm going to say good, that's the wrong way to put it. There's a likelihood, a higher likelihood, than if you do things correctly, that you'll get COVID-19. Um you know, we're seeing, a, I don't want to say, we had a story on over the weekend on Sunday that t- touched on, you know, what is a, you know, some call it a huge spike, but just an uptick in cases over the past month here in Ohio County in particular, part of which is the, the church cluster at First Baptist. Um, but, you know, it's about 70% increase in cases within a month. Uh, and again, that takes us from, you know, 48 to 73, something like that. So we're not talking massive numbers. But, uh, you know, still something people need to take seriously. You know, I, I worry as we go through this, and I worry for myself, too, because what is the focus over the last several weeks been on pretty much everything but COVID-19? COVID-19 yeah. was the main story for America, for the world, for months. And then all of a sudden, we had George Floyd and everything else, and COVID just went away. And I worry sometimes people maybe thought it went away, quite literally went away. Um, and it hasn't, you know, uh, we're learning a lot more about the virus as we go along. And, you know, and again, you know, right now, before it was nursing homes and prisons where we saw our, our outbreaks. And now it's uh, churches and um, oh, there was one other I was just thinking of earlier today. You know, there's two more uh, that, that are, you know, really where most of our cases are coming from. And I think a lot of us are, I think the weather has had a lot to do with it too. Yes. When, when it's, beautiful and sunny and nice and the skies are blue and the birds are chirping and you just feel like things are normal again. Um, and they're not. I mean, that's the thing you got to keep in mind, that things are not. The virus is still there and it's too easy, I think, to slip back into the old patterns. And, uh, and, and a lot of folks are slipping into those old patterns. I certainly note, uh, church, not necessarily churches specifically, but every place I go, uh, any more, I would say more than 50% are not wearing masks. Now, I don't go there. I'd be careful when I say go there. I mean, I see people going into and out of a Walmart or into and out of a restaurant. Uh, huge numbers of folks are not wearing masks at all. Um, and, that, and that concerns me. And I think it's some of that is philosophical. There's some people who, you know, America, yeah. uh, you know, but I, I think some of us just I don't say laziness. It's just complacency. I think is, compl- is a, complacency is a better word. We just yeah, want you know, to and, get back to normal. Yeah, and I, I think that's such a good point. It was easy to stay inside in March and April because it was cold and the weather was lousy, and you know that's you don't go out that much then anyway until it really starts to to warm up. But um, you know, it's 
it's a it's a challenging time right now. You know, real quick anecdotal story. You know, this, this morning as we tape, I'm uh, 7:30 standing uh, at a local business to return an item that I had uh, had to run over the weekend um, for some work at my house. And you know, guy about you know, maybe my age. Um, you know, I'm standing in line with a couple people, you know, one person in front of me and waiting to, to return this equipment and the guy behind me just, you know, brushing up against me and, you know, mm-hmm. he had, had maybe a five-year-old kid with him and I didn't, I didn't say anything because I didn't want him to, you know, didn't want to, to, to make an issue out of something that, again, I'm not worried for myself necessarily, but, uh, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm just sitting there and thinking, you know, even without COVID-19, you know, give a little space, you know, you don't need to be right behind. You don't need, we don't all have to be close talkers as they said on Seinfeld that I'm brushing against your arm or something, you know, back up a little bit, please. Just not, uh, you know, um, so, you know, again, I think it just comes down to, we've got to figure, you know, we said that we talked about this last week, we've got to be smart about this. We've got to figure out how to live with this. You know, life does have to go on. Um, many of the cases, you know, one thing I found interesting, Howard, is we've seen more cases locally and more around the state. We're not seeing, and we still are, the death rate is pretty low in West Virginia. I'm going to preface that just in West Virginia, 88, I think maybe 89 now in West Virginia, still only one in our entire area here in West Virginia. Now, many more in in Belmont County. Um, I don't know, you know, no idea what the reasoning is behind that, why that we've had lower numbers here in Ohio County than other areas. Um, it's a good thing, you know, I say, but, uh, you know, we've got to continue to be smart in how we approach life. One reason may be, especially Ohio County, and then expanding to the panhandle in general is that we have had a early on a significant amount of testing. So people yes. were, were being identified and therefore could be, there's no real treatment, but could at least be under watch and to be careful there. Now going into restaurants, going to churches, one thing we're beginning to see a few folks around the state. And even apparently as of today, a couple of folks in Belmont County students um, who may uh, have brought COVID-19 back from having gone to Myrtle beach for senior week. Yeah, that's that. There's been a lot of new cases that are being at least. That's the thought is that the the, the initial uh, contact was made there, Preston County, West Virginia, as you said, uh, Shady Side in I think it was Bel Air. Order Bel Air, yes, shut down their uh, summer conditioning for a week after a number of those students just returned uh, from Myrtle Beach, I believe, um, and uh, and you know so that's. That's, you know, and I think Howard Gamble in our story over the weekend pointed at the community transmission is what they're kind of concerned about now because you can't, it's harder to trace now. You can't contact trace quite as easily when you're returning from somewhere like Myrtle Beach. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's been interesting. I'm trying to remember the number was just in my head. There, there's a number that I read over the weekend on, on the number of six suspected cases in West Virginia, they believe, that have a Myrtle Beach basis at least. Uh, it doesn't mean somebody from Myrtle Beach, but someone who was there as well for senior week or vacation spread it. Um, but again, you know, it, it does come down, you know, uh, in looking at how, you know, when you, when you go to the beach, you know, and beaches, and I think Bill Bryson on your, on your radio show said this, you know, you've got plenty of room on a beach to be socially distant. You do. Um, so if you're going to go to the beach, if that's your if that's your family vacation this year, be smart, 
get your, you know, set up your umbrella and your blankets and your chairs away from everyone else um, and enjoy yourself. You know, it's, nobody I, wants to come back and be quarantined for two weeks because they have COVID-19. I, I think I would love to get back to the water this year. It's kind of my, a part of a vacation. I would like to get to the water this year. I've been there for a while. Um, and I would be comfortable, I think. And if we do, it would be at a private beach in a private house or private condo. Um, I think that when you go to the Virginia beaches and the, and the ocean cities of the world, it's, it's difficult. Yeah. Um, now there's always some privacy at some of those beaches too, let's be clear, but uh, some of those are very tourist oriented and they tend to pack people in um, and they'll try to socially distance. I'm not saying they don't, but it's just, if I'm going to go, I want to go to a private beach where, where it's, it's pretty you know, quiet. John, when we come back, I want to talk about another controversy that's kind of raging around the upper Ohio Valley and expand it maybe into the country, which is following up on the George Floyd case. We have, um, Confederate statues coming down, Nancy Pelosi taking Confederate artwork out of the Capitol. And here in the Upper Ohio Valley at Bethany College, they've taken Senator Robert Byrd's name off of one of their buildings. So I want to talk about that. Plus the latest coming out of the city of Wheeling, Wheeling City Council, the OVMC decision and more. We'll get to all of that coming up as that issue continues. Welcome back to At Issue on the Topper Station. Howard Monroe here along with John McCabe as we talk about the news that made the week in the Upper Ohio Valley. Uh, John, uh, a story coming out of Moundsville this past week. Um, the garage doors opened and a big MRAP came rolling out. I mean, they got, yeah. a, they got a tank, for heaven's sakes, down there in Moundsville. Not a tank, not quite a tank, but it's a big armored vehicle that uh, is meant to meant to handle mines, you know. Um, so if you recall, Howard, about 10, 12 years ago now, Ohio County rolled out the big truck. That right. was the Ohio County Sheriff's Department. Well, the Marshall County definitely won up them. They've got the bigger, much bigger truck. MRAP. MRAP is a, it's a, again, a uh, ambush protection vehicle um, that uh, was picked up by the city of Moundsville Police Department through a federal surplus program uh, for federal uh, military equipment. Um, it's a 2019 model, if I remember correctly, uh, cost about 500000 to a million dollars new to build. Um, again, the city of Moundsville got it for free. And this has really, you know, spurred quite a bit of national debate uh, that they unveiled this right in the middle of the whole demilitarization of the police movement, uh, you know, you know, uh, just the optics were really bad for Moundsville. Maybe they had some written contract that they had to unveil it on a certain date, um, but it just makes you wonder if just someone down there wasn't thinking, why don't, okay, we have this piece of equipment, let's wait for three to six months before we let the public know it's here, because it it's I was exactly I was what people are talking about in, in, you know, why does Moundsville, a city of under 10,000 people, need a armored uh, personnel carrier, in essence? The, the timing and the imaging of it is, is, in my mind, really way off base. But I, I would step back and say, I, I think that this whole militarization of the American law enforcement uh, in small towns and communities is, is way overdone. Uh, I get 
the argument that there's a lot of military vehicles that are now surplus, don't need them for the military. So let's use them in local law enforcement. I get it. But um, I, I just, I, it's, it's exactly what we don't need. We don't need the militarization of our law enforcement and it can only lead to escalation. I, I, I'm not picking on Moundsville per se, but the more military style equipment you have, the more local law enforcement puts on masks and shields and armor and so on, the more likely it is any in given individual incident is going to escalate it. I just think it's not, it's not a wise idea. I actually thought, and I, I guess I'm wrong, I thought Congress had changed the policy on that, that they weren't going to do that. You know, I think that to maybe just wrap this up real quick, I think the thing that besides the optics of it, Howard, and, the, and do they need it, which, you know, I think Tom Mitchell said, well, we might need it in case there's ever a you know, hostage situation or, a, you know, arm, people see, you know, uh, see that are holed up in a home in a standoff. Um, this thing has a, you know, an annual maintenance, essentially operating budget of about $90,000 a year. Okay, so Moundsville has a $12 million budget total for the, for the city of Moundsville. We're going to spend 1% of that almost on this vehicle. You know, would we not rather, again, see better training for police, more, you know, another officer or maybe two that could be, you know, could be afforded with that $90,000, uh, you know, better equipment, needed equipment such as, uh, you know, vests and you know, or, or, you know, just better community uh, policing opportunities with $90,000 other than spending it to maintain something that you and I know quite realistically is going to sit in a garage other than once or twice a year when they take it out to joyride around the parking lot to make sure everything's running. Well, let's not call it a joyride, but I get your point. That oh, it'll, come out for, it'll come out for public events for some summer festival and, and, um, and, and and will there be an occasion sometime over the next five years where it might be helpful? It's always possible. Maybe. But but there are other nearby entities they can call in to help with those kinds of things. As as across the country, we hear the phrase defunding the law enforcement, defunding the police. And I don't like the concept or the phrasing, but we're talking about defunding the police. Uh, part of what that is all about is going back to more community policing as opposed to the, the armament policing. And, and it strikes me that, um, as you said, it would be a better use of the maintenance money uh, to reinvest into community policing, into training, uh, and what have you. So, but be careful if you're in Mountainsville, do something too, too bad. The MRAP could come to get you. They came to get the uh, sign off a building at Bethany College, uh, John. It is yeah. a uh, health, the health uh, sciences building, I think it is, or health building up there. And it was uh, the Robert C. Byrd Health Sciences Center. Robert C. Byrd, of course, uh, a longtime senator from West Virginia, brought the bacon back a lot, but also had started uh, early in his career in the 40s as having been a KKK member, a founder of it in West Virginia. And that is something he has frequently, he had frequently uh, apologized for, acknowledged and said it was wrong and has did a lot for civil rights afterwards. Um, but because of that KKK connection, it's always brought up that, well, you know, we're supporting a Klansman. So Bethany College took it off their building. Yeah, college president uh, Tamara Rodenberg, just about a week ago now, um, put out a statement. They had been, so just for a 10-second background, they had been looking into 
ever uh, pretty much since the death of George Floyd, they, they had initiated a committee to look into how they could better serve their students. And I believe it's the first action and the only action thus far is that they uh, decided to remove Senator Byrd's name from the side of their student health center. Um, I think one of the terms they used, you know, this is how we lead in the 21st century. Um, you know, uh, and they even quoted Byrd, you know, in essence saying, you know, we've got to be willing to, you, know, you have to be willing to change to essentially move forward. And that's what they're looking at is, uh, is, you know, changing their, you know, changing, getting away from symbols of the past. Um, you know, you and I had a, what I thought was a pretty interesting debate on this uh, on the radio. I'm, I'm never been a fan of having uh, anyone's name on a building who only brought tax dollars to an area and, you know, and the people there decided to honor him, him or her in that way. Um, but, you know, everyone, you know, Bird's name's on several hundred things in West Virginia right now. Um, so Bethany made a decision that in my mind, they felt best served their mission moving forward um, and, and their students. Um, I, I can't fault them for that. They made a decision. They are a private institution and they are allowed to make those decisions. Uh, but I don't see it going anywhere from there, at least not, but, I've not heard anything that says it's going to kind of grow from there. I think that, um, first of all, I would agree they have every right to do that if they choose private institution. Uh, I will take note of the fact they come out of a religious background. I mean, the Bethany College is Disciples of Christ. Disciples of Christ, yes. yes. Um, so um, I, I, I get that connection as well. But it does seem to me, and you used all of these words, it does seem to me that Senator Byrd represents that which those who have been wanting to talk about taking statues down and so on actually want to see. He acknowledged it was wrong. He acknowledged what he did was wrong. He acknowledged it was bad. He apologized for it. And then, in my mind, not just typical politician apology, but although he had fought against the Civil Rights Act of, what, 64, he had turned around and become a strong advocate for civil rights uh, in a lot of part of his life. In other words, he, he, he was the change. He was exactly well, what's being talked about. You know, and, and these are the, you know, this is a legitimate argument. Uh, he was... He was eulogized by a then sitting president, uh, Barack Obama, a black man, and Barack Obama. <clears throat> um, you know, they had formed a friendship and a level of respect for one another during Obama's you know stint in the Senate before he went to the White House. Um, so, I, I totally agree with you on all those points. You know, uh, spending time, you know, I don't say considerable, but spending a good bit of time on several occasions with Senator Byrd. You really understood he was a he was not what he was in the 1940s or even in the 1960s. Toward the end of his life, he he was, uh, you know, by far probably our last true statesman in this country. Um, and so, you know, I can I can not want his name on buildings, and that doesn't lessen anything he did. It to me just says it shouldn't be on buildings because there were tax dollars, uh, but. You know, I also can can look at what Bethany did and, and somewhat understand what they're trying to do here and the message they're trying to but send. John, and let's just broaden this out for a real quick second. It, 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 it's, it's part of what I see as an overreaction that's happened after the George Floyd cases. We had a, a number of um, Confederate statues being 
A, moved and then eventually torn down. Do you have an issue with that? Let me ask you. Do you have an issue with the Confederate, like Robert E. Lee? Any issue with that coming down? Uh, not necessarily, no. Um, okay. I had no issue whatsoever. To me, the, to me the, you, you do or don't? I, oh, I don't. I think they, they lost, yeah. down a long well, time ago. And, and, and it was not, it was a, it was a, 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 an insurrection against the United States of America. He was a treasonous man. So I, I don't have a problem with that. I, I, but I noted, for example, this weekend in Baltimore, yeah. uh, a George Washington statue was yeah. defaced. Racist words were put on it. Um, uh, a museum in New York City wants to remove a statue of Theodore Roosevelt. Um, and this, a lot of this goes back to the fact that, well, particularly with Washington, you know, many of the founding fathers were indeed slaveholders. I mean, we, that's, they were. So what are you going to do about that? You know, um, we yeah. have to, but, but, but if we were going to remove that, that was a fact of life when the constitute, when the declaration was made and the constitution was written, does George Washington's entire life get removed from our history books? Because yes, he was a slaveholder as an example. I think there's been an awful lot of overreaction there. John, hey, just a couple minutes. OVMC real quick. We're almost out of time, Howard. Yeah. A couple minutes left. Let's talk about that. Willing city council last week as, I started to say as expected, and actually I wasn't totally sure what they were going to do, but the City Council did choose unanimously to purchase the old OVMC property in Center Wheeling, probably use the Valley Professional Center for a police station, uh, and then figure out what to do with the rest of it. Yeah, one of, the, one of the options they've talked about is tearing down the nurse's residence at OVMC, which has been identified as a building that needs to come down. And, and putting a new fire department headquarters there. <clears throat> that is one of the options that they're currently considering. Um, the old Ohio Valley General Hospital building, the, you know, the one that everyone sees with the big stack, that one, uh, you know, there's some real underlying issues there. But again, a lot of this is predicated, I think they've uh, estimated, so actual cost to purchase is gonna be about a million to a million and a half, uh, and then about an half million dollars a year in carry cost, if I remember correctly, Howard. In order to satisfy uh, Bob Heron and others, I will point out that some of that original price will come back to the city because it is in paying uh, back property taxes and yes. the city does get some of that property tax money back. Yes. It'll go back um, into the TIF district as well. So, but so I think the Valley, I think depending on whether the current, the new council wants to do something different, but I think that the Valley professional center will probably likely be, police headquarters. Mm -hmm. The other stuff still remains very much up in the air. And the other question still up in the air real quick, John, is what are we going to do? What are they going to do about the 19th Street property that had been the potential site of a public safety building up until now? Well, did I, did I, did I hear correctly last week on your show that the mayor said they were still maybe thinking about buying it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that would be, yeah. you know, I think that'd be a terrible move. They need to hold the building owner accountable or else you and I need to go out and buy every hunk of junk building in this town we can find that we can claim to be a gateway and then go to the mayor and say, hey, you need to buy this off of us because we can't afford or, or something along. I, I think and that maybe not the most fair analogy, but, you know, it is they need to move away from the 19th and Jacob property and hold the property owner accountable to clean it up. And if that requires tearing it down, tear it down. There's many other property owners in this town who have been dragged into court on multiple occasions to get their properties taken care of. And their unwillingness here is, is starting to get a bit alarming. The reluctance well, to do anything with this property is, is starting to become a real concern. That is going to be a decision that the new council will have to make. And next week when we get together, John, we should spend some time taking a look at 
how we think the new council is likely to shape up. Three new members, three returning members, new returning mayor, or returning mayor. Um, and it's going to be a little different complexion. We'll talk about that next week. Thanks for being with us, John. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Howard. Thank you all for being with us today on At Issue here on the Topper Station. We will uh, be back with you again next week.